The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made with pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal from steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I really like your iPad. Thank you. It's a good iPad. I know. I have it back again. This is the last time we're actually going to be using it. I know. It's been a long time, hasn't it? We're going to have to get some new material soon. But over, over these five weeks, we have been studying what to do, right? We, we spent the first week and I gave up all these things, right? The second week I showed you what I added so we could concentrate a little bit more on God. The third week, I didn't even have it charged. And we talked about what uh, happens when we mess up. The fourth week, we talked about not even needing the iPad, about God loving us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. And the fifth week, today? The fifth week, today... We're going to talk about what's going to happen after Easter. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Nope. Easter is when Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. And so, one of the important things I want to talk with you about is I need your opinion. Okay? Because right here, see that little blue button? Do you guys know what that does? It's the app store. It's the app store. Right. What could I do at the app store? Yeah. I can get all my apps back. I can get Netflix, and I can get Facebook, and I can get Twitter, and all those ones I used to watch different TV shows. I could get all of those back. Yes, Phineas. You can get gas or something? You can get gas for your car? I can get games and gas for my car? Well, I could probably find an app for that, couldn't I? Yeah, there's an app for just about anything. But I want your opinion. Should I? Should I get all those things back? Just some of them. Some people say no. Some people say some of them. Some people say maybe. Okay. We have a lot of different opinions. You can get some new games. 
Ava, you said you said. I think when we're done with the iPad, you're just gonna buy all the games. You think I'm just gonna buy all the games back? I might get some of them back. I'm not gonna lie to you. My favorite ones back, but not all of them. If I can, if I can figure out how to get gas from this, yeah, I should get that one, right? Okay, so that feels like a fantasy, but I want to ask you a question. Why did I give them up in the first place? Yeah. I can concentrate on more of the Bible and on God, but uh, if I have them back, does that mean I can't concentrate on God anymore? No. Okay. I think he's good. There you go. Very good. Thank you for your help. Can everybody look at my nose right here? Very good. I can still concentrate on God, can't I? What if I'm watching too much Netflix again? What should I do? Stop watching. Maybe delete it, even. If it's keeping me from concentrating. You wouldn't, you wouldn't risk it? I'm still trying to... Yeah, I'm still trying to... I'm still trying to figure out whether I'm going to or not. I do an hour or two a day. An hour or two? I could limit myself, right? Instead of just watching it the whole time. This is difficult, isn't it? It's hard to figure out what we should do. Yeah, so I could, I think the limiting thing, we are so active today. Can everybody look right here? Everybody right here? Everybody right here? I think that the reason this is so difficult is because there's tons of stuff that can distract us. And there's stuff that probably distracts you too from God, right? The issue is not necessarily to give up all things. Because I can always find something to distract me. The issue is to make sure things aren't distracting me so I can concentrate on God. Can everybody look at my nose one more time? It's going to be okay. What are you guys going to do after Easter? Yeah. Eat some candy. Watch Super and, and play with you. Okay, so play some games. Where are you guys going to remember what we did with the iPad? Limit ourselves. You're going to limit yourselves. Very good. You're going to pay attention to what you are doing and making sure you have time to concentrate on God. Does that make sense? All right. Hopefully, it will keep making sense. Shall we pray? We're going to pray. God, we give you thanks. In the midst of all of life, in the midst of things that certainly distract us, we give you thanks that you continue to love us and to care for us. We pray that even after Easter and even after Lent, we might be able to concentrate on you more fully, better than we do now, and that we might remember what we've learned this Lent. In your name we pray. Amen. Very good.
name of Jesus. Amen. Feels like a big day, doesn't it? That's okay. We'll start with a review. We've done a review every week this Lent. And just like the iPad, I'm sure it's getting old. We'll start with a review. That first week, back when it was still cold and there was a lot of snow on the ground, that first week, we looked at the gospel and we asked ourselves, what is temptation? What is the thing that we are trying to turn from? And we said that was the thing that slowly slices us away from the kingdom of God, away from concentrating on God, and slowly turns us towards ourself, slowly turns us kind of towards our own personal needs. That second week, we asked, well, if we're supposed to turn away from these temptations, what are we turning towards? And we identified that in order to see the kingdom of God, one of the things that we do is give ourselves space, give ourselves time, give ourselves silence, so that curiosity might arise in what God's doing. The third week, we found a very blunt gospel that calls us to work, that calls us to accountability for who we are as disciples in this world. And in that accountability, and in that bluntness, we found that when we mess up, we work to change, and we pray for grace. And those things are both found abundantly, not cheapening one another, but abundantly for the sake of one another, for the sake of us. That fourth week, last week, in the midst of a prodigal son text, we found love. We found love for us when we feel like a brother that doesn't care for the inheritance that we've gained in Christ. We found love for us when we are a good brother that finds no worth in the discipleship that we followed. We found love that permeates every part of life. And in this fifth week, we ask the same question that we just asked. What do we do? What are we going to do now? What's going to happen after Lent? And in the midst of today's gospel, I think we find Jesus answering that same thing. That same question of what am I going to do as I approach the cross and on the other side of it. You've seen that we've been in the gospel of Luke this whole week, or this whole uh, Lent time. Now we're in the gospel of John. And so it takes on a different flavor. But the Gospel of John has three blocks kind of set out right here in the middle. And this story appears in the middle of the three blocks. This story in the 12th chapter is a story of Mary washing Jesus' feet. Now we see Mary and Martha and Lazarus in other books of the Bible. 
And if you remember Mary and Martha, there's another story, I think in Luke 10, where uh, we have the most common story of Mary and Martha. Mary is listening at Jesus' feet while Martha works a lot. But this isn't quite that story. In fact, Jesus seems to be okay with what's happening because Martha is still her working self. She's serving in this text. Mary is still her relational self. She is washing Jesus' feet with her hair. And Lazarus is still his self, simply sitting and receiving from Christ, as he always does. Right before this, we have the first story of Mary and Martha in the Gospel of John, though clearly not their first encounter. We have Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. In this text, it's clear that there's already a relationship there, but we don't really know how they've met. We just know that they already have. And after hearing that Lazarus is sick and dying, Jesus waits four days and then afterwards visits the tomb and there's already a stench. Death has clearly visited and gone. And in the midst of the weeping, both Jesus and the crowds, Lazarus is called out of the tomb and there's life again. And so it's from that emotionally charged experience, it's from that experience of life being brought back in the most literal and full way that we come to this moment. And it's those people. Martha is busy cooking for a scene that she couldn't have imagined before. As Lazarus is eating the food that she makes, Mary is busy washing the feet of the one to whom she credits her brother's life. And Jesus is sitting across from Lazarus, who he brought back from the dead, and with whom that group he has wept before. It's with this group that Jesus all of a sudden looks down and finds his feet being anointed and washed. And just as he know he as he knows he is six days away from the Passover, just as he knows he is on the brink of his own death, he finds with the people whom he loves care. He finds love. He finds relationship. He finds support. His feet are washed by the people with whom he has connected deeply. The third story. Immediately after that, Jesus enters on the back of a colt. And we sing Hosanna. And we have Palm Sunday. And immediately after that story, Jesus takes this moment of Mary washing his feet. And he stoops down and washes his disciples' feet. Each one. Individually. In the moment that he just shared with the people whom he loves, he now shares with his disciples. He now gives a moment, an experience of love and grace and support to the ones who will run scared later that evening. He washes Peter and he washes Judas, and he washes everyone in between. When we ask, what should we do? When we look at our turning, at the space, when we look at our work, and when we look at love, I believe the answer that Jesus gives 
is to love what's right in front of you. Jesus doesn't go off any longer right before the cross. Jesus doesn't go anywhere else. Jesus looks at the people right in front of him, his disciples. Jesus looks at the person right in front of him, Mary, washing his feet. And Jesus loves what's right in front of him. And this is our call too. Love what is right in front of you. And it's not a love as in an, an attraction. It's not a love as in a kindredship. It's a love that's a working passion on behalf of love. Because I can't imagine much attraction between Jesus and Judas in that moment. But there is a passion for him. There is a love for him. Each one of us has gone through this Lenten journey together and no matter where we have wound up on the journey, we have the opportunity, we have the ability by the grace of God to love what is in front of us, to work for the people in front of us. You got to start somewhere. Whether that's your family, whether there's attraction there or not, whether that's your work, whether that's the person whom you see every day, whoever it is, whatever they are. You take the moments that are most dear to you and you take the love that has been spoken into your heart in a variety of ways, whether it is someone's hair on your feet or whether it is your grandpa's teaching or your grandmother's teaching or your mother or your father or your pastor or your brother, whoever it is, you take that innermost teaching and you love with it. You give it to the people in front of you, to the people who surround you, who the people who will be running scared at points in life, to the disciples, to your neighbor. You give that love. That is our work. Now after Lent and after Easter, everything seems to break open again, doesn't it? Not only in the liturgical sense, but that spring and summer work just kind of starts. But as you go, as you're on the road to Emmaus or the road to anywhere else, I pray that these 40 days in Lent will follow you. That you will keep turning and that you will keep that silence and that you will keep that work and you will keep that love in your heart and at the end of the day, love might be spoken to you and you might love what's in front of you for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of self. For those of you who have shared with me your Lenten journey, I thank you immensely. It has helped me on my own. It has been an honor to walk with you. And as we look down the road to Palm Sunday, may Christ be with us. Amen.